I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. Let's go! UEFA coming out and saying that going into this Super League, the players of these clubs, if they decide to go and play in it, they won't be able to play in the Euros. I think it's very much taken away from the tradition of football and what it's about, which is ultimately the support, the fans, the community. It is pretty amazing that players haven't been consulted. That's the big one for me. I think players are going to have a big, big say in, in this, this proposed move. The Goal Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. Hosted by Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen and Davy Proven. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808 Right, what we're going to talk about for the next couple of hours. I was thinking about challenging ourselves, not to mention the European Super League between now and seven. Uh, well, we seem to have blown that one already. Celtic and Rangers got a mention today as the president of UEFA said, we need to keep the dream alive. Davy Proven, what are you thinking of all this talk about European Super League? It's all kicked off horribly, hasn't it? It has, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the only certainty at the moment, Rob, is that an awful lot of lawyers are going to make an awful lot of money out of this. <laughs> yeah. Where it's going, I've no idea. Um, claim, counterclaim. All good stuff for the media, but um, I've no idea where it's headed. And it's certainly hard to keep track of all the reaction. It is a constantly unfolding story. Uh, we'll keep you across it as we go, and we'll uh, get reaction to it uh, from both John Kennedy at Celtic and from Gary McAllister at Rangers. Both have had something to say today about it, uh, and we will get to that shortly. The dust uh, takes a while to settle on an old firm game, so we'll examine the fallout from another Rangers win on Sunday. Three games away from an invincible league season and three more wins away. Uh, Crags from a domestic double. Yeah, listen, the target at the start of the season was to stop Celtic winning 10 in a row. I think anything after that would have been a huge bonus. It could turn a memorable season into a very memorable one for the management, for the, for the staff, for the players, for the supporters and just really show that the tide has turned in Glasgow, which if you'd said that a year ago, no one would have believed you. The Championship and Leagues 1 and 2 are at the business end of their season. Two games tonight in the second tier and all 20 teams play tonight in League 1 and 2. So we'll look at uh, the various uh, possibilities and implications of the games going on uh, tonight. It's Inverness against Dundee uh, in the Championship. Uh, and if Inverness win that one, they will go above Dunfermline, Crags, uh, and into one of those promotion yeah. playoff places Dundee are already in the frame the other match in the championship tonight is at the other end uh, because Morton are playing Hearts mm -hmm. and if Morton can somehow manage to, to win that one that would put Air United into the second bottom and into the playoff place so, so there's a lot on these games tonight There is I think if Dundee win they guarantee a playoff spot if Inverness win suddenly Dundee are looking over their shoulders a little bit aren't they with, with Dunfermline sitting in there as well Uh it was an interesting weekend for Air United because they got thumped up at our broth and their chairman um, released an incredible statement over the weekend just about his passion for the club, uh, coming through as a supporter, 
investing over half a million pounds of his own money just to keep the club afloat. And he said, you know, he woke up on Sunday morning and thought, why did I do this? And I just thought it was really close to supporters because he thought that, you know, that was me. I wanted to give something back to the club. I think it was David Wilson was his name. And I, I just thought it was so open, honest and transparent. And it shows it's a huge thing for United to stay in the championship. So they'll certainly not be cheering Morton on tonight. No, that's for sure. It's a it's a funny old season. It's been crazy, hasn't it? And uh, of course, we've got all 20 teams in League One and Two playing tonight ahead of uh, an end of season split. It was so good and so popular in the Premiership. We've passed it down uh, to Leagues One and Two as well. So so basically, after the games tonight, it's into a playoffs uh, situation. Um, in League One, there's a point between one point, yeah. Davy, between Falkirk, Cove Rangers, and Partick Thistle at the top. Well, I mean, Cove Rangers beating Falkirk at the weekend just blew it wide open. And there's only one goal separating uh, Falkirk and Cove as well. So, and Thistle have made a really good late run. I'm glad to see that. You know, I think they were stitched up through the enforced yeah. relegation of last season. I, I'd love to see them coming back up. Love to see all the full time clubs doing well. East Fife uh, in the final playoff place at the moment, but Airdrie Montrose still in with a chance. Uh, Forfar looking doomed, of course. I'm trying to think. Uh, it was last Friday night. I was there when they lost to Dundee United, but they played really well. They didn't look like a team that were doomed uh, in that game. Uh, Clyde and Barton and Peterhead all battling to avoid the relegation playoff position in League One. League Two, of course, is all wrapped up. It pretty much has been for a long time. Queen's Park unbeaten. And if it stays that way tonight at home to Elgin, uh, that title will be confirmed for Queen's Park. Elgin uh, are in the playoff places already. That's assured for them. So they will be playing off with uh, Edinburgh City, um, Sterling Albion and split, Stranraer. Is it an extra four games they have yeah, after yeah. Game 18? Which, is, yeah. which just adds a little bit of excitement because you yeah. get the best playing the best. You know, yeah. Davey's saying there about Falkirk and up and losing up in Cove. Well, they will have to play them again. Partick Thistle have to play Cove, have to play Falkirk. So there's lots of real meaningless, uh, sorry, meaningful games, which is what you want this time of the season. Yeah, Brecon uh, are bottom, uh, of course, of League Two uh, <laughs> with only one win. Spared a, a scrap last season uh, because the pyramid playoff was ditched. Uh, and it could happen again because there's there's yeah. no confirmation as yet. And it was interesting that today Brecon uh, wrote to the SPFL board claiming it would be fundamentally unfair to hold playoffs between Club 42, that's them, and the winner of the Highland League versus the Lowland League playoff, that is Brora against Kelty. Uh, Brechin proposing league reconstruction with no relegation uh, and expanding the league, uh, league two to 12 clubs, which I guess is what you do when you finish bottom of the pile, Davy. Yeah, I mean, they, they got off the hook last season um, through the leagues being called early. I think it's a bit of an embarrassment that they don't want to take part in a playoff against the winners of the Highland League or the Lowland League, uh, given that Brechin have played more competitive football. They, they should have nothing to fear from it. And, you know, the. <laughs> To start talking about sporting integrity, given what happened last season, you know the very least that Cove, um, uh, sorry, Brora and and Kelty Hearts deserve is a chance to get into the league. You know they were bypassed last season, shouldn't uh, be bypassed two years in a row. It would make a complete mockery of the firmament. I like the response of East Stirlingshire uh, on Twitter uh, this afternoon to to that uh, news that Berwick had written to the SPFL. East Stirlingshire sort of say there there is nothing fundamentally unfair. Uh, years ago, clubs voted for a pyramid. We even voted for it. We were the first club. We were the first club forty-two, and we took our medicine, embraced the Lowland League, and rallied. Um, Brechin should do the same. Uh, dry your eyes, Brechin City was the message from well, East Stirlingshire no, uh, today. Yeah, because they've got ambitions of getting back into the league as well, as do Berwick Rangers. So 
listen, there's very few clubs benefited last season uh, with the season being called early. And unfortunately, Brecon did. So you'd imagine that this season, uh, the playoffs will have to go ahead. Uh, if it's based on a vote, well, they certainly voted to, to uh, relegate Hearts, Partick Thistle and Stranor last year. So I can't imagine Brecon City will be spared this year. Stephen Craig and Davey Proven, Rob McLean on the Goat Radio Football Show on a Tuesday night. And it's all happening as regards the uh, the breakaway league. And uh, the reaction uh, is pretty passionate and it's coming from all quarters and it's coming pretty thick and fast. No rung too high on the ladder, it seems, in terms of ESL reaction from inside the royal family and from Downing Street as well, where Boris Johnson said today, no action is off the table. Uh, Get in touch. What do you think about uh, plans for a, a breakaway, a new European league where the rich get richer? Uh, 0808 17 17 700. Go and your message on the text to 87474 on the socials at Go Football Show. What about the old firm match on Sunday? Uh, Rangers 2, Celtic 0. And uh, there will be no silverware for Celtic after a quadruple treble comes a season which brings absolutely nothing for them. What did you think about the game? Um, what did, what do you think Celtic are going to do from here? But on the subject of the breakaway European League, uh, Gary McAllister, the Rangers assistant manager, has been talking today. I would say instantly that I'm against it. You know, my support would be with the with the 14 other clubs in the in the Premier League, and I would I would also go with UEFA's stance as well. Um, but then then putting the my ex-player hat on. It's just, it's, it is pretty amazing that players haven't been consulted. And I've seen this morning then that UEFA are sort of indicating that if these, te- that these teams do break away, that the players from those clubs won't be allowed to play international football. And that, that's the big one for me. I think players, players are going to have a big, big say in, in this, this proposed move. It's going to get messy, Davey Proven. Yeah. And, uh, well, I guess you could say the hypocrisy knows no bounds yeah. when you see who's th- throwing well, stones here. Yeah, I mean, the idea that UEFA and FIFA are great protectors of sporting integrity, protectors of football, is absolute mm. nonsense. You only have to look at the World Cup being played in Qatar next winter to appreciate that. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with Gary. I, 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 uh, I, I don't see the players having an awful lot of influence in this, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, the, the players are effectively employees. There's nothing in your contract that dictates which tournaments you will play in. Um, and I, I, I know it might affect their international careers, but I, I don't see the players having a, a, a great say in this. I think this will be settled in the courts. Not even if they all club together, if there was well, real, real big player power. They might, but if, you know, if, this, if this Super League can generate double the wages these guys are on, um, you might see the players becoming a little bit more compliant in terms of going along with the idea. What about supporters, Craig? Yeah. They, yeah. they seem to have been forgotten in all of this. Well, ultimately, it, it's going to boil down to it's a money-making scheme and I think a, a lot of it is based upon mismanagement of certain clubs who know that they're in such a deep hole financially the only way they can claw some money back is create something new, something different to try and bring in even more money than what they're getting. You know, they're the clubs that decided to spend over £100 million in players and 500 grand a week in wages. Quite clearly, it wasn't sustainable. And whatever it boils down to, it goes right back to it. The supporters or football supporters around the world will be asked to pay for this. Whether it's a, a, a subscription for TV, whether it's ticket prices getting in, whether it's the price of strips going up, whether it's... Um, even food and, and, and alcohol at grounds, everything will go up in price because the clubs need to claw money back. Yeah, I've sent you earlier, I had a little look at Barcelona, I think gross debt, 1.2 billion. Real Madrid, gross debt, 900 million. That's never coming back. The only way the 
you know, they can do it. It's going to get more money. And unless there's a high-profile manager or high-profile players, the ones that the, the rest of the world want to see, if they pull out of it and say, you know, we're not playing or we're going to boycott, something might happen then. But it's certainly a bold move. So are we not believing uh, Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid president, when he said today that we're doing this to save football, Davey? No, hardly. But you know, I I think he did have one good point. But he said, you know, a lot of the a lot of the games that people are being asked to watch now are no contests, and I, I think there is too much rubbish, to be honest with you, that we're being asked to watch. And I'm all for a more competitive setup. It, but that's just, not what we're talking about here. No, nah, this is just completely abhorrent. Uh, what what they've come up with, but um, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against them completely. A lot of clever people involved in this. People who yeah. have made their money through not being stupid. And they, they've obviously they, they, they've obviously gauged what the reaction is likely to be. They've thrown it out there a few times, and usually it was to get more leverage with UEFA, get more money out of the Champions League. This time, I think they mean business, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes now. What they won't have, uh, what they won't have anticipated, I don't, I don't think, is the Westminster government becoming involved and quite vehemently saying today that they'll take whatever action is necessary. And there is already talk about Westminster revoking the work permits of all the foreign players yeah. of these six English clubs. Now, if they do that, they can forget about any breakaway. Yeah, this could uh, become uh, something pretty spectacular, uh, you would imagine, in the coming days and weeks. Uh, the old firm got a mention today from UEFA President Alexander Seferin. He said, uh, we need to keep the dream alive. UEFA competitions need, and he named five clubs at that point, Atalanta, Celtic Rangers, Dinamo Zagreb, Galatasaray. There's been a shift, he said, in recent years, accelerated by the COVID crisis that too often ignores what happens on the pitch and sporting merit, a shift that has to be stopped immediately. Uh, and uh, this was the reaction to that from uh, Celtic interim manager today, John Kennedy. Yeah, and that's positive, you know, and I think he'll, you know, name check is because of, again, our history and tradition and what we've done in the competition in the past as well. And he, again, we're probably a good example of a club who, you know, very much about our community and our support as well. Yeah, and that is the, the part of this that, that, that is being sadly uh, neglected, isn't it? The, the, the connection with supporters. And that's one thing that Scottish football certainly has. You know, give me Scottish football any day over a lot of it, Rob. You know, the passion for the game, the commitment to the community. You know, players out with the old firm don't get huge life-changing salaries. You know, it's committed. Yes, it has its weaknesses. Yes, you know, at times it lacks a little bit of quality. But give me that any time over the premeditated, you know, big teams playing each other six, seven times a season. You know... A Real Madrid-Barcelona game or a Liverpool-Man United game shouldn't be every second week. I think it then becomes boring. But ultimately, you know, the communities within Scottish football are what keep Scottish football alive. I think fan ownership is a big thing that's coming on as well. So, yeah, it's uh, John Kennedy's absolutely spot on. Uh, lots to touch on in the course of the show tonight. We'll come back to that subject, of course. Um, the uh, hearing is happening or will be happening uh, this evening uh, into the disciplinary fate of the Rangers 7. Uh, Nathan Patterson, Calvin Bassi, Bongani Zungu, uh, Dapo Mabude and Brian Kinnear are the five, if you remember, because it's been a while, um, who broke COVID guidelines and were uh, given a four-match ban and two games suspended. Rangers appealed um, with Stephen Gerrard saying this is not the same as the Edmondson and Jones situation and all the details of it need to be taken into account. But why, why, why is it not the same? 
I don't, I, I, well, he didn't, I don't, he didn't I don't understand that. I mean, no. yeah, but I mean, he should expand on that. Yeah. You know, if it's not the same, Stephen Gerrard should be telling us why it's not the same. Yeah. I think they, they went to an external party. The, the, I think their partners were with them and the players were in the same bubble. You know, so the other two players went to a party that was general public. I think that's the comparison. No one's mentioned it since, but I think that was a slight difference. But ultimately, you've still committed an offence, mm. so it doesn't matter where you've been. Um, plus, the, the the two players didn't get themselves back into the club, were they? You know, it was, it was pointed out yeah. before they get back into the club. So, uh, I'd I'd be surprised if it's overturned. I think it'll be upheld. Yeah, and uh, presumably all that detail that was lacking uh, from Stephen Gerrard uh, a couple of weeks ago, Davy, yeah. will will form the well, the, the backbone of Rangers' I, case. Either, either way, it's a joke. It's taken eighteen days to yeah. hear this appeal. What was yeah. that about? Yeah. You yeah, know, and Nathan Patterson was able to play in the old firm game. Yeah. Um, and I'm, listen, I'm not criticising Rangers here because Celtic would have done the self-same thing. You know, if they managed to put this appeal back and have one of their better players playing the game, you would do that. But it's a nonsense that the SFA can't hear that appeal for 18 days. We're heading for a break. And just before we do, just want to get a quick headline from you both uh, about Sunday at Ibrox. Um, what you thought and what the implications are, Craggs, you were there. Yeah, well, ultimately, Celtic... You know, created lots of chances, played well. But if you don't take the chances, and an old firm game, Davy knows more than anybody, it's all about the result. And for Celtic, needing a trophy, they needed the win. Didn't matter about performance, they needed the win, and they didn't manage to do it. Did that show, Davy, that Celtic needed to win? Yeah, I, I think the game just summed up Celtic's season, to be honest with you. If before the game, if you had offered John Kennedy a penalty and chances of the of the type that fell to El Yunusi, Welsh and Edward, he would have bitten your hand off before the game. A penalty and three absolute stick-on chances and Celtic still couldn't win the game. It, it sums up their season. We've only just begun the football chat between now and seven. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Well, lots of football going on uh, tonight and tomorrow night in the SPFL. A couple of championship games tonight. Inverness against Dundee. That kicks off at seven. Uh, and Cali Thistle can get in the playoff places if they win that one. At the other end of the table, Morton looking to beat Hearts tonight in Greenock and uh, get themselves out of second bottom place it's all very much down to that uh, tickly bit of the season where a lot will be decided in the next week or two and in terms of League 1 and 2 they're heading for a split after tonight's games Airdrie East 5 Dumbarton Partick Thistle 4 for play Clyde Montrose against Cove Rangers Peterhead Falkirk with only one point separating the top three in that division in League 2 Albion Rovers against Stranraer Annan versus Stenhouse Muir Brechin play Cowdenbeath Queen's Park against Elgin City Stirling Albion against Edinburgh City and uh, there could be confirmation tonight as if confirmation were needed that Queen's Park will be champions in League 2 and they're heading up to the third tier next season in Scottish football they are still unbeaten in the league uh, big games tomorrow night of course in the Premiership top 6 bottom 6 Sibs against Livingston St Johnston against Rangers that's part 1 of St Johnston Rangers uh, because they meet again at the weekend in the Scottish Cup quarter finals Aberdeen against Celtic at Pataudry and in the bottom half where it is getting very interesting Hamilton against Motherwell uh, Kilmarnock played Dundee United, Ross County, St Mirren and uh, Crags, those games, some of those games are yeah. absolutely massive. Huge, you know, for Hamilton who have taken nine points out of nine against Motherwell, so they'll not mind playing them tomorrow night again. 
But, you know, Ross County actually played very well against Kilmarnock a couple of weeks ago, uh, 2-2 draw. And Kilmarnock under Tommy Wright, it's just so compact. I mean, it, it probably is going to boil down to the head-to-heads. You know, Ross County have played Kilmarnock, but Hamilton will have to play Kilmarnock and uh, Hamilton have to play Ross County. So in that bottom six, you're just thinking if we can win one game and get a couple of draws, it could be enough to keep them up. But uh, lots to play for always. Yeah, I'm just looking at the, the Premiership uh, table at the moment, which tells us uh, Davy Hamilton bought them on 27, Kilmarnock 29, Ross County 30. Those are the three because uh, Motherwell are, are safe now on, on 38. Uh, but it all gets messy, doesn't it? Two of those three are in trouble. Yeah. One goes straight down. One's in the in the but, playoff, which has tension written all over the, it. The, the great the great thing about the split for me, Rob, is that Hamilton still have it in their own hands. They've still to play yeah. Kilmarnock, still to play Ross County. Um, so it's still in their own hands. And I, I, again, I, I keep saying I, I would I wouldn't rule out another great escape from Hamilton. And for Rangers, up at the other end, a big week ahead. So after an old fun weekend and a, and a big positive result, you know, we, went, we bounced into this week, obviously off the back of a, a, a great result and a good performance, I felt, as well. But again, we, when you look at the week, you think it's just another big week and it's, it's the way we like it. Uh, I think over the two games, we'll probably freshen up on, on the, in the league game on Wednesday. But uh, over, the, over the two games, we'll, we'll be strong because we want to continue our are forming the league and we want to progress in the cup. Yeah, and they want to end the season now, three games away from Invincible yeah. in this uh, title run, Davy. So so they want to nail that one down, don't they? Well, I mean, the, the last weekend was a big one, wasn't it? You know, knocking Celtic out of the cup. They've, I'm not saying they've got a free run to, to, to win the cup, but they are odds-on favourites now and they have a real momentum going about them, a real belief. And it's, it's hard to see Rangers slipping up now. You know, I think Steven Gerrard has, has been on their case you know, having watched them take their eye off the ball in the last couple of seasons, I think he's been on their case all season to guard against complacency and I don't see Rangers slipping up now. They'll make a couple of changes, but they'll want to continue this run. Uh, they'll want to get the League and Cup double now. They would so many outstanding performers uh, on Sunday. Uh, Craggs, the, the two, I mean, obviously Alan McGregor for his saves, um, you know, get, gets a big mention. Stephen Davis for that overhead kick. Mm. But, in the on the, the attacking trio, Arebo one side and Kent the other, were at times, from a Celtic point of view, unstoppable. Yeah, I, I felt Ryan Kent, you know, had moments in the game where he was unplayable. You know, particularly the the first goal where he turned Scott Brown in the middle of the pitch. You know, just the sharpness. And I think that's something he's going to have to add continually. You know, throughout the season he has little spells where he plays well and he drops off. But you know, as that wide player who is Rangers' main attacking threat, you know, who can be creative and he's the spark and takes men on. He'll have to do it, you know, probably more regularly again to try and take his game to the next level. I mean, there's already been links again with Leeds yeah. for the summer, isn't there, coming in? You know, Stuart Robertson did say pre-Christmas that he may have to sell one or two, the club may have to sell one or two. I think to lose Ryan Kent would be a huge blow because he is really coming into his prime. But, listen, he, he's got lots of pace, he's creative. I thought Joe Arebo was really aggressive on that right-hand side. Yeah. Probably more aggressive than I've watched him before playing there you know I always probably prefer him playing in one of the midfield three positions and when he goes up one sometimes he doesn't have the same impact but I felt on Sunday he did and then he had Marauding uh, Nathan Patterson down the outside of him you know so he could come in and play narrow and it just freed up the space down the outside so lots of good play from Rangers no doubt about it you know you touched on Stephen Davis I just think he's been a class act all season and he really will be or should be one of the ones I think 
in the frame for player of the year. Yeah, it's a tough call that one, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah. it's it's a short list that's actually not that short. But it's yeah. all it's all Rangers players, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but there are quite a few in there, and and because James Tavernier hasn't played for the last whatever four, yeah. five, six weeks, that that's probably leveled the playing field because I, I would imagine he was running away with it at one stage. Yeah, but whoever gets it, whether it's Tavernier, Stephen Davis, Alan McGregor, it, you won't be able to argue against it, Rob. I no. mean, it's, you could draw lots for it practically. Yeah. And, and we are getting into that territory short where there are going to be a lot of very attractive bids coming Rangers' way. It's, it's up to them how equipped they feel to say no. Um, but there will be, you know, you mentioned that Leeds could be back in for, for Ryan Kent. Uh, there are all sorts of uh, players in that Rangers squad who could be uh, attracting offers. And, and it's going to be interesting, isn't it, how, how this all unfolds? Well, there's going to be some tough conversations between the manager and the board and the, and the director of football and Ross Wilson because ultimately, as a manager, you want to keep your best players. And Rangers probably feel like they're at a stage now that in a position of strength, you want to strengthen again. You want to go and add another two or three to your squad just to really push the levels up again. But ultimately, in, in player trading, it can't always be you buying. Somewhere along the line, you have to sell to try and balance the books. And I even look at someone like Glenn Kamara, who oh. you know has been nothing short of sensational uh, you know, since he joined from Dundee. He will have suitors coming after him. He will have clubs prepared to pay big money for him. So Rangers may have to sacrifice one just to try and bring in some money to free up to try and go and finance. I mean, they have the Champions League potential qualification. They could leave it until late August before they sell if they don't get into the Champions League. You know, the manager will want to go into the Champions League uh, you know, qualifiers with his best available squad. So he may hold on to them for you know, the month of August, but if it doesn't go the way they want, then they may have to sell then. Yeah, because there is a gamble factor there, isn't there? If Rangers do get to the Champions League, then you know there the are rewards coming yeah. back to you know to the continued backing of Steven Gerrard and and, and there a reluctance to sell players. If they don't make it, then that's that's when maybe the the button is pushed, Davy. Yeah, the other thing here is that you can't run a football club in the longer term the way Rangers are running the the club at the moment. And that's through directors putting their hands in their pockets. The club has to be self sustainable in the longer term. And, you know, there will come a time because uh, I'd, I'd love to see Rangers' balance sheet to, to see what, what the figures are. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Rangers will sell one or two this summer. Um, it'll be down to Steven Gerrard, I'm, I'm sure, to, to pick which ones are, are allowed to go. Morelos, I think, will be away. He's made it clear he wants to play in a, a stronger league. Um, he'll be away. And, you know, I, I wouldn't rule out that they, they get an offer for Ryan Kent that they can't refuse as well. It was interesting to hear uh, Gary McAllister today, the assistant manager, um, speaking um, about Rangers' European aspirations at a time, of course, when all the talk um, around the UK and around the football world, really, is about this breakaway Super League. Well, the thing is, trying to generate money is a big part of, of, of being in professional football. We're, we're striving hard to, to get good, to, to, to do well in Europe. I think we've done that, and that, is, that has enhanced the, the, the coffers here. Um, what I would say as well, during that period of some decent runs in Europe, our coefficients went up, and that, is also, that, that has helped other teams in Scotland as well. So we're proud of being champions of Scotland, and we want to go in to do well in, in European competition, and that's what we've got to try and do that. And in, in that, the fact is that we do help other teams in our league. So that's very much where we are, we are at this moment on, the, on that. It's those twin targets, isn't it? Rangers will want to sustain their domestic success, having won a first title in 10 years. But also, um, where you really get noticed in the big picture is by doing well in Europe, Europa League for the last couple of seasons, and now, they hope, Champions League. Yeah, and that's why you need a stronger squad. 
that's why you probably need two players for every position. You know, you look at, you know, without going too far into it, but Nathan Patterson now is able to back up for James Tavernier. That hasn't been the case since James Tavernier has been at the club. So you want to add as you go, you want to progress, but you have to do it within a financial model that works. You know, you can't keep putting your hand in your pocket, as Davey says, and struggling and pushing the boundaries because somewhere along the line it comes back to you. But I felt against Slavia Prague when they played Slavia, that was their limit. You know, last 16, they came up against a good side, well-organised, physically strong, and Rangers couldn't cope with them over the two legs, couldn't match them over the two legs. So that's why I'm saying I think they need to go again. They need to go and add a little bit more quality. Uh, they can't just rely on Ryan Kent being the creative spark. You know, they might need a bit more of a physical presence in midfield. Um, they might need another centre-forward to really go and challenge Morelos if he stays or whether he doesn't stay. At 10, obviously, Steven Gerrard isn't fully convinced at the minute. So there's two or three positions round about that for Rangers to take that next step. Then they have to go and invest. But again, they've got to be sensible how to do it. What about Celtic? Uh, David, we stood here last week. Uh, Chris Burke was in the studio with us and he was putting together uh, the best case he could, a pretty strong case, uh, about John Kennedy, the coach. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone's in any doubt about his qualities on, on that front or indeed his communication abilities, how well he comes over in interviews and how well he stood up to a really difficult situation. But one would imagine that any thread of a chance yeah. of, of getting the job vanished on Sunday... Yeah, totally gone now. I, I think I, I think had John won the two outstanding old firm games and, and won the Scottish Cup, he would have put himself in the frame. And I'm sure Peter Lowell would have been in the ear of Dominic Mackay as well because John Kennedy is Peter Lowell's man. Um, he might have had a chance, but you know, with that defeat at the weekend, went any chance of, of John getting that job. Here's John Kennedy on Dominic Mackay, who's just started work in his new job. You know, I think it's good timing. You know, he comes in, he gets a feel for the place, gets an understanding of how it operates and what, what he might have to do. Um, and that will make the transition easier, you know, having Peter there to, to help him with that. And then Valerian coming in cold, you know, right on top of the, the qualifying games and stuff. So, yeah, it's better that he's in early, gives him time to bed in and, and then we'll see what happens from there. Well, great job, isn't it? A terrific job to have that I'm sure it'll be a handsome salary to go with it and David would have to be because what a challenge for Dominic Mackay to try and sort things out at Celtic it it might actually be easier for him Rob that he's come in uh, at the end of what has been a miserable season for Celtic because he might argue that the only way is up now for Celtic Yeah. Um, because the club is still in in pretty good nick financially although they burned through a lot of the the money through the, the COVID thing a huge wage bill, which is, has burned more cash. But they're still in, in pretty good nick financially. And if they can get the manager in quickly, and I've no doubt they'll, they'll sell two or three in the summer, they will have the means to to set about a rebuild of that squad. And then it'll all come down to recruitment and who's in charge of the recruitment and how good their judgment is. An interesting game to play on the back of the weekend is how many Celtic players would get into the, the Rangers team uh, Stephen Craigan, what, what, uh, who, who gets in for you uh, out of the Celtic team? Yeah, certainly Callum McGregor would be a contender, no doubt about it. You know, he's just, Callum's a smashing footballer. Yes, the standards have probably dropped slightly this season. Um, you know, but you can't override you know the career he's had up to date. Uh, the, I think the way he's played in the last couple of seasons, particularly this season, he's been probably the one carrying the fight for Celtic. At times, he's been doing it alone, and he's probably suffered his own performances. Christopher Iyer, I think, one who's getting better. Ultimately, he's probably got to score more goals in the opposition box. Um, you know, but for someone so young, for the pace he has, 
uh, I think all his attributes, he will only get better. So, you know, Philip Hollander is a smashing defender, really good, aggressive, old-fashioned defender. So it, it'd probably be between Hollander and Christopher Ayer. You know, you could probably toss a coin either way. But um, based on natural abilities as a centre-forward, Edward is probably the more rounded centre-forward. Um, probably scores more goals or has scored more goals this season, certainly than Alfredo Morelos. But Alfredo Morelos is good for Rangers just because of his physicality and how he plays and he, he kind of roughs people up and allows others to come and play. So that would probably be the three Celtic players I'd imagine in, uh, in, you know, in contention for. So for you, Ayer, McGregor, Eduard, Davy, what would you think? I, th- I think there are four um, four players that Stephen Gerrard would take in a minute. Uh, Eduard, Christie, uh, Ayer and McGregor uh, are the four who would have a chance of, of being in Stephen Gerrard's team sheet. And James Forrest, were he to be fit? Very fit, yeah. He would certainly be in the yeah. frame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very easy to, to forget about James Forrest given the season he's had through injury. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he, he made a big impact when he came back. And, and I guess the fact he had come back and he'd given them that lift and then they missed him on Sunday yeah. was probably quite big in terms of the build-up to that game. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, we, we saw him, we were watching the game in here when he, he limped off against Livingston and... I think the, the signs were pretty poor even as far back as that afternoon the way he came off that he was struggling I think John Kennedy probably knew throughout the week that uh, although he was going to give him until the last minute that he, he wasn't going to make it and that was a big blow for him Celt- well, He had to change his shape didn't he? You know when James Forrest plays he, yeah. he, he gives him that versatility he can play wide in the right El Yunusi wide in the left He gives uh, Rangers a problem doesn't he if, he, if he, does, he plays Because yeah. he can get at people he's dynamic he can dribble past I mean Celtic didn't really have a dribbler on their team I know there's people who can pass through and can beat one or two men but James Forrest is different he's a different type of player and all season long Celtic had been stuck trying to find a formation for the players to have available because James Forrest hasn't been there yeah. he can play left he can play right he can play as a 10 he can play as a second centre forward and he still quality, uh, quality and still delivers so no doubt when that team sheet came in on Sunday the Rangers players would have got a psychological boost thinking James Forrest not playing they're going to have to change to the diamond in midfield El Yunus is going to have to play as a second centre forward when he'd probably play a little bit more wide in the left hand side so everything just seemed to fall into place for Rangers Celtic up at Pitondry tomorrow night to face Aberdeen how's the squad looking? Well they've not got huge numbers you know even at the weekend there with Tom Rodgers an issue the day before the game in the warm up he was struggling a bit so again he couldn't take part in the game he's came through training today so he'll be available tomorrow which is good news out with that James Forrest will still uh, be missing for this midweek, but hopefully be fine afterwards. Um, the same with Mikey Johnson. So we'll make we'll make some changes, but you know we're consistency to make sure that we're going out and we're in good rhythm and, and we go out to win the games as well and, and represent the club. So Aberdeen against Celtic tomorrow night, Hibs against Livingston and St Johnston play Rangers twice in about four days, five days um, in the next week. Um, that's in the top six. Bottom six, Hamilton against Motherwell, Lanarkshire Derby uh, tomorrow night. Kilmarnock play Dundee United, Ross County against St Mirren. What are you thinking on the football front? 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Well, it's all quiet, isn't it, on the world football front? Really not much going on whatsoever. Uh, The repercussions go on and on. The reaction goes on and on to the announcement of the new European Super League. The big breakaway is on, or is it? Is there any way of stopping it? Uh, Davey, what was that you were just telling me about Real Madrid? Well, the the Madrid court has just made a preliminary ruling that neither UEFA nor FIFA can stop the breakaway league going ahead. So... 
Not that Real Madrid have any influence in the <laughs> Spanish judicial system. No, 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 indeed, indeed. <laughs> it is alleged. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's all happening and uh, everyone flexing their muscles around the, the world you, of you football. Wonder, Rob, you, you, you wonder, I mean, if this league goes ahead and they're targeting August, they're, they're saying it could be up and running by August, you wonder the effect it will have on the Champions League. Yeah. You know, what, what effect will it have? Will, will, it, will it be better for the, the champions of Scotland? You know, if some of the super yeah. heavyweights leave. Yeah. Um, and of course, the Champions League was, was in the process of being extended, Craig's, yeah. anyway, yeah. wasn't it? Well, I think it's 2024. They were due yeah. to change the whole setup of it. But I mean, is that as early as that, Davy August, we're talking about? Well, that, that's what they're talking yeah. about. Just, next season. Next season. Which yeah. Is, yeah. just seems, I mean, they must be quite far down the line to think, listen, we're going to go yeah. in August. You know, they must, have, of course, they have the three, what, 3.5 billion. Euro uh, investment yeah. from JP Morgan. The and the other thing, I, I don't believe for a minute they don't have broadcast partners on board. No, they, they would not have. be announcing this unless that was a done deal. I did hear mention today of Disney, the, the the fact that these games could be streamed on Disney, and and that wouldn't be too far fetched, yeah. would it? And yeah. maybe Disney would fit with what they're proposing. <laughs> <laughs> well, cer- certainly Disney, Apple, uh, Amazon. Yeah. Um, because BT Sport, for one, distanced themselves. They've already spoken out yeah. in opposition yeah. to it, so presumably they're ruling themselves out, but I, maybe because they were never going to yeah. be in. But, but I don't think for a minute they would have announced it unless they no. they, they know no. what they're doing with us and they where must, they're going. Yeah, they must have a, a broadcast partner, that is for sure. Uh, we're looking at all the ramifications. Um, the old firm got a mention today from the UEFA president. We're looking back on Rangers 2 Celtic nil from the weekend. Rob McLean here on a Tuesday on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy. Limited. Uh, Davy Proven is here and Stephen Cragen as well. Two of the best football analysts in the business, it says on my script, and I felt compelled to read it. Um, we're also joined by Ryan, who's a Celtic fan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, guys. How you doing? Not bad at all yourself. Yeah, not too bad. Um, obviously disappointing at the weekend as yeah. a result, but we move on, I guess. There were a few ifs and buts and maybes, weren't there? When... Uh, when Stephen Welsh turned that great chance into a, a goal line clearance, it, it, it could have been one one at that stage. There was the penalty from from Odson Edouard that that could have made things yeah. interesting towards the end of it. Did you think Celtic were were worth taking it further than the ninety minutes? Um, I mean, I'm you're in two minds because we did have chances to get goals in the game, but at the same time, the the desire and the passion wasn't there. Obviously, from the striking and the other players in the team. I, I just thought it was another disjointed performance and Rangers didn't really need to get out of second gear um, to go through it in the next round. Was the desire and the passion not there, Davey? Um, certainly, you know, uh, you, you look at one or two of them, their body language is not good and I would include Edward in that and I'm reluctant to, to criticise Edward because he's been a terrific player for Celtic. Uh, by his own standards, he's been poor this season. He's still the top scorer in Scotland by a distance. Yeah. And it's very easy to to forget that. Um, it, it, it was just a, another calamitous day at the office for Celtic. They had some terrific chances, couldn't take them, and it, it just sums up the way things are going and have gone for them. What did you think of the penalty, Craggs? Um, I mean, obviously, if Alan McGregor goes the other way, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I just felt at any stage, if Celtic get back to 2-1, that would have brought the players to life. It would give them something really to chase after. And as a player, when you're in that pitch and... You know, one chance goes missing, and the second one goes, in the third, and you think, right, okay, you know, we've got a penalty. You know, Edward will score this traditionally very good with penalties. Suddenly, the, you know, the the body language changes. When he misses, you almost think, oh, 
And I thought from that moment on, there was only ever going to be one winner. But if they could get back to 2-1 at any stage, it certainly would have put uh, Rangers under a little bit more pressure. Celtic could have committed more men forward. You know, Ultimately, Rangers might have caught them in the counter-attack. But I think it certainly would have brought them to life and given them more of a chance. Ryan, was there a lack of conviction about the taking of the penalty? Yeah, there definitely was. I would have... I'll be honest, I, I have been criticising Lee Griffiths quite a lot this season, obviously due to the way he came back after lockdown, but I would have preferred um, I would have preferred him to take the penalty because he would have thumped it down the middle or thumped it to one of the, the sides, but Edward was trying to finesse it, and I know that's his style, he's sort of um, sort of effortless style, and that's what we love him for in some ways, but it just wasn't the right sort of technique for what we needed to get back in the game. Even if Turnbull would have taken it, he would have thrashed it down the middle or something we needed someone that was going to really hammer home the point that we were back in the game and I feel like Edward, it was just a cop out really Are you expecting a big striker clear out in the summer the sale of Odson Edouard, um, who knows what's happening to his price at the moment, whether it uh, whether it holds up because of his French under-21 scoring exploits, etc. And obviously the quality uh, football that he's produced in his time at Celtic. Lee Griffiths, uh, one would imagine his time could be up at Celtic. Uh, Klimala's off to New York, I think. Albion Ayeti hasn't uh, delivered the goods. Are you expecting a, a big... Well, there's probably going to be a big clear-out all round, but, mm. but maybe particularly what we're talking about at the moment, which is the striking department. I think it's going to be a necessity in the summer, to be honest. Um, I think Griffiths will go. I heard that they have the option of extending his deal. But I, I don't see us taking that up. I see a, a mutual partner of the ways in that regard. And obviously with... Kamala leaving as well. I'm glad that we're getting three and a half million. Um, they must have not watched him for a lot this season. <laughs> I don't think he's worth three and a half million. Maybe, maybe New York Red Bulls can turn a player out of him. I, I don't know. I mean, he get, he gives a lot of heart, but he's very raw, and we don't need raw. We need the we need the goods. Basically, we needed the goods this season, and we didn't get it. Um, who who it, was? It's such a difficult. It's such a difficult market to, to shop in because. We thought we were going to get the real deal in Tony or a Yeti. Yeah. We, we went for a Yeti, obviously, and that hasn't turned out. Yeah, I saw the comparison in the in the paper. In the, I can't remember which newspaper ran a comparison date today between Ayeti's scoring performances this season and, and Ivan Tony. Uh, obviously, he was a Peterborough player at the time, wasn't he? When Celtic yeah. were interested, yeah. he went to Brentford in the Championship, and I think he scored, what, 25, maybe yeah. 25 goals this season, Davy. Yeah, and it's it's a pretty good standard the the championship as well. So the, obviously the boy, the boy's numbers are, t- are terrific, and it, it looks as if that's one that slipped through Celtic's hands. But you know, if, if if I'm the new manager coming into Celtic, whoever he is, I'd be very tempted to go straight to Lee Griffiths and say, right, can you get yourself in shape for next season? He's only thirty. Mm-hmm. He's only thirty. He's still arguably the best finisher in the country. You know, do you not think that was said to him before this season? Well, pro- probably, but you wonder if if he's hopefully he's bright enough to have learned the lesson of this season and see what happened. You know, see how it's panned out because he wasn't in good shape. But if you if you could get Lee Griffiths back into shape and get him get his head switched on, um, you wouldn't want to be you want you wouldn't want him to be leaving the club uh, at thirty years of age, particularly when a Yeti is has not been up to Klimala's gone. Edward will go. I mean, if you let Griffiths go again, you're looking for at least three strikers to bring in over the summer, and that that will be difficult to find the right ones. When you think Neil Lennon left eight weeks ago tomorrow, Rob, 
I think I was looking at it date wise today. Celtic will start back in eight weeks' time for next season. They will start pre season in eight weeks' time. They will have their first competitive fixture, 21st of July, yeah. which is probably four and a half weeks after that. Yeah. So already time is ticking down. People keep saying they have to get it right. They've got to take their time. They've been eight weeks since Neil Lennon left, and there's been no news. Eddie Howe's been the only one that really was pushed, and everyone thought it's going to happen. Suddenly he came out and said, Well, I want to make a decision at the end of the season. So time is of the essence. So you're talking it's got to be a director of football, a manager. Decisions on backroom staff, loan ease decisions, who's staying, who's going, and ahead of recruitment. All that in 12 weeks to get all your players in ready to go. That's a huge job and a huge effort required. And of course, there are uh, three league games, Ryan, still to be played. This was uh, John Kennedy uh, talking today about these games coming up with no, certainly no prize to play for. It's not difficult because we, we still have to approach the games with the right mentality. They, they obviously don't have the edge of, you know, you're going for something in terms of a trophy. But again, I've said it before, uh, you, you have to go out and represent yourself in the right manner. Any game you play, uh, you've got pride to play for, you've got you know, showing yourself every time you, you, you play. Uh, and that's the mentality we want at the club, you know. And if you if you don't do that, then you're not a right fit uh, for us going forward. Arithmetic's never been my strong point, Craig's Four league games four. it is to go. Ryan, what about these games coming up? Um, how, how do they how do they play out? How do you see them? Um, I, I don't really know, to be honest. As far as I'm concerned, I, I think the league, not the league, the, the season was finished a couple of days ago. That was all we were playing for. We were playing for the Scottish Cup. That was the only competition that we were in. Um, I think it's up to John Kennedy to get us interested in the games by maybe changing the formation or changing the personnel in the team. I, for one, want to see Sorrow get every game until the end of the season. I want him to be playing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it would be right if Scott Brown was to play against Aberdeen, considering he's going there next season as well. And there um, doesn't there doesn't seem much point either, does there? If if yeah. he's leaving to be playing in these last few league games, Davy? Yeah, yeah. You've got um, to be looking ahead, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if I'm Celtic, Scott Brown doesn't play again this season. You play Sorrow; he's the future of the club. Yeah. You know, Scott Brown has been a terrific servant, uh, servant, but it's over for him now. Um, Scott Brown wouldn't wouldn't play between now and the end of the season for for, for me, but it. It beggars belief that Celtic don't have a new manager. Yeah. It is astonishing. Yeah. And, you know, where are they going with this? Yeah. The, the fact that out of the Scottish Cup just throws that spotlight on that situation vacant. And it's been, as Craig says, vacant for eight weeks. Um, but now, with nothing to play for in the season, it's, it's the perfect time yeah, to bring in the new man, isn't and, it? And you can imagine how many applications Celtic have had for the job. Hundreds. And they can't find a manager. And if it is Eddie Howe, why is he not here now? It's a shambles. Is it a shambles, Ryan? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know the ins and outs if we've got the manager sorted or not. If maybe if he's working in the background, I don't know if he has previous punditry duties that he has to do. Because I know he was on Canadian TV last night or Canadian streaming service last night. Um, but I, I would hope that it's been agreed in principle because if we've kind of put our eggs in the one basket with Eddie Howe and if he turns us down, where do we go next? Because we've got rumblings that Keane doesn't think he'll get the job. He wouldn't be my fourth or fifth choice, but it doesn't look yeah. good if we're going back so quickly, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, I don't know I don't know if, if Enzo Maresca is still linked with the job. I know he's not got that much experience, but the job that he's done for Man City's under 23s yeah. is incredible when you look at the difference in points totals between the two seasons. 
That name could be revived uh, as the days and weeks continue uh, with still nobody in the job. Ryan, thanks for your call and uh, wishing you all the best. Cheers, you too. News at six on the way, plus another hour of football chat. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. The Go Radio Football Show Talking football first Listen live weeknights from five The big football breakaway appears to be a happening thing Or is it? Lots of uh, people around the world of football Flexing their muscles at the moment Lots of opposition uh, to this plan For a a European Super League With six of England's uh, top uh, Top is in inverted commas Top teams uh, Because Tottenham find their way in there I'm sure they're not one of the uh, top 10 teams in uh, world football or European football at the moment but they and five others from England quoted um, but some top teams of course uh, are not in it and they say they're going to have nothing uh, to do with it uh, Davy Proven the likes of PSG and Bayern Munich now yeah. those those two would have been wanted in this yeah. big style Well I, I get why Bayern um, have not become involved because they the majority of their shareholders are supporters aren't they that's the way Bayern and most yeah. of the German clubs if not yeah. all are run that the supporters have a very significant stake in the club. And obviously, you know, the, the grassroots supporter does not want anything to, to do with this. PSG, I am amazed, have not become involved in this. Um, at the uh, minute. Yeah, at the at minute. The you're, you're probably right, minute. Stephen, yeah. Yeah, another three invites still to come. <laughs> yeah. wonder, you wonder if they'll do a U-turn. You're not suggesting they would change their minds on this because they have they have spoken about it today, haven't they? They have said that uh, they're not having any part of it. So does that mean tomorrow there'll be another statement uh, uh, after they've done a 180? Well, it's amazing how people protect themselves initially. And then as things progress, if it starts to make sense and, 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 and they can get people to buy into it, then, you know, they've every right to change their mind if they want to. However, you know, the general feeling out with the 12 clubs, out with the Super League people involved in it, there hasn't been a lot of appetite for it. There's been more res- resistance towards the one I thought there would have been. Um, but ultimately, nothing surprises us in football. You know, when it boils down to money, you know, every every major football decision is made based on money. So should we be surprised? I think it's probably the timing of it. Mm. The fact that we're coming out the other end of a global pandemic where clubs have been struggling to stay afloat and suddenly these guys are going and saying, well, we're actually leaving. We're going to treble our money that we get from the Champions League. It's uh, It just enhances people's frustrations a little bit more. And also it's been uh, floated really pretty... Uh, dramatically as a fait accompli uh, without any consultation for, for players and managers, Davey, because we're just looking on the on the screen a moment ago in the studio. Uh, we saw Pep Guardiola, who's yeah. uh, been very passionate in opposition to it, Jurgen Klopp as well. And you can't imagine many of the top managers or players are going to want anything to do with this. No, I, I don't think they will want anything to do with it, but, you know, it probably is not going to be their call, Rob, you know. They, they might have a... You know, I've have have no choice in terms of if it does happen. I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to resign? Are they going to walk out of the club? Probably not. And and certainly, you know, when it comes to the players, money talks. When it comes to footballers and agents, if if the money coming into this league means a, a spike in in wages, then I don't think you'll find too many players going in strike or 
walking out. I really don't see it. I just wonder, can the wages go any higher though, Davey? You know, I think, I, yeah. I said earlier, a lot of the clubs will be the plug, the money they've lost initially. You know, you can't keep spending, spending, spending. Otherwise, it's just going to... By all accounts, Stephen, that they're aiming this at the Chinese Chinese market. Uh, yeah, so there's... For, a, for a, an audience, um, they, they say they're not after legacy supporters. Um, how cynical does that sound? Do they not like competitive football in China? Well, it, it, exactly. But, you know, there is a, a huge following in China for the, the, the superstar names of European football. Uh, they've all been very clever at marketing themselves over there. Um you know, go to Beijing and you'll you'll walk into someone with a, a Lionel Messi uh, Barcelona shirt in every corner, and that that's that's where they see a lot of potential out there. It's a distant prospect, of course, at the moment uh, as far as Scottish football is concerned. But uh, that didn't stop uh, Gary McAllister, uh, Rangers number two, and John Kennedy, interim uh, head coach at Celtic, uh, being asked about it today. It's not for me. Um, I think it's very much taken away from the tradition of football and what it's about, which is ultimately the support, the fans, the community. Um, and it's just, for me, it's just a case of uh, the rich trying to get richer. Um, and it becomes about greed at that point and not about what football is all about. You know, football starts around the fans, around your city, around your community. Uh, and it's just stripping all that away. And of course, it's something that uh, is very, it's a subject that's very close to the heart of, of Gary McAllister being a, a former Liverpool player. For me, there should always be a connect from the top to the manager, to the players, and, but most importantly to the, to, the, to the fans. And at this moment in time, there's, there's a barrier there and it's, there's a disconnect. So being a traditionalist, but I do like change if it's progressive and it, and it works, but this is, this is just a move too far for me. I, I, I don't see football, it's an elite sport with elite people in it, but it's a game of the fans. It's the fans' game. And the more you think about it, uh, the more you appreciate, I think, that the, the timing is horrible, isn't it, in terms of what we've been through in the last yeah. 15 months and the fact that fans haven't been able to go to games. And then this. Yeah, but I mean, UEFA and FIFA have treated supporters with the utmost contempt for decades, Rob. You know, the... There's certainly no place in the moral high ground for UEFA or, or FIFA. You know, the World Cup going to Qatar, what is that about? Um, UEFA trying to organise a 12-city Euro finals in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, nonsense, absolute nonsense. So, you know, I, I would like to see UEFA and FIFA put under, under some kind of pressure. Um, the, the, the Champions League has now become a private members club. Four or five teams from the big five in every season, and it's no longer a Champions League. It's, it's Champions League in name, but not by nature. Now. You'll never hear us saying there's only one Ryan on this show uh, because we've had one Ryan, and here's another Ryan. Although we're not going to refer to him as the other Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm not bad. How's yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, what would you like to talk about, Ryan? I would like to talk about the Super League. What are you thinking? Um, I think it was just greed, um, no passion for football, no no consideration for football fans or football communities or grassroots or anything like that. I also think that this is this is a way of, as the ESPN reporter said the other day, it was it's just them trying to hold their hand to FIFA now and, and play the poker game of trying to get more money out of the Champions League or FIFA or whoever. Um, and I think it's also a way for them to dictate how much money they give to other clubs and not the government bodies of the football. It feels like it's gone beyond a, a poker game, Davey. 
Yeah, but you know the, the the word greed is continually thrown about. But you know most football clubs are greedy. Most football clubs milk their supporters for every penny. Replica strips, merchandising, season tickets. Um, greed greed runs football, whether you like it or not. Um, and yeah, it is pretty unsavoury. And and certainly in terms of, you know, I, I, in terms of a sporting context, the idea of no relegation is absolutely abhorrent to to most of us. But you know, money talks, and and these guys, these guys didn't just meet last weekend to come up with this proposal. No. This has obviously been going on for a long, long time behind the scenes, and they're not stupid people involved in this. They they must think there's a way through this. Greed is not a word, Ryan, that would be attached to your club, uh, St Johnston. That's for sure. A really well, a really well run club, um, but that is the G word that, that that's driving everything here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I've got to disagree with David there because. I tell you how, because football is for fans. And if you take the fans away from football, what have you got? You've got nothing. Look at the past 15 months where we've not been in grounds. Football's dead. Nobody's enjoyed football because there's no atmosphere. There was nothing at the Celtic Rangers game on, on Sunday. Everybody's wanting to be, you know, it's not, it's not got that cutting edge. It's not got that, that atmosphere, that build-up, that, that excitement. And I think... Yeah, there is a point that money runs, but if you if if they were to pro, if they were to protest it all across the world with no fans, right? You know what? If you're get you're getting too far now, no fans. The clubs wouldn't last. Clubs rely on fans. So do do you not think Ryan? If, say for instance, this this uh, breakaway league was to go ahead, do you not think Manchester United and Real Madrid would get crowds at their games in this Super League? Not the loyal fans, no. Not the ones that supported them for generations. Yeah, absolutely not. I, I mean, I watched I watched a lot of protests at Manchester United over the years when the Glazers took over. Um, the green and yellow scarf protests and demonstrations. The ground was still full. They still went to watch the football, and obviously the the teams involved in this feel that they'll still sell their grounds out. I watched um, a bit of um, Monday Night Football last night. Uh, Gary Neville, who's been very passionate and vocal and very eloquent about it, as well, and uh, Jimmy Carragher as well. Of course, they're their former clubs are very much involved in all of this. And and Stephen Craig, and they, they seemed pretty convinced um, that this ultimately won't happen because uh, because the players and the managers ain't going to buy into what the owners of their clubs are planning to do. I think Jimmy Carragher's big thing was that unity, if everybody stands together and opposes it, whether it's players, managers, supporters, and, and you know, Davey's spot on that, you know, those grounds... Or they will hope the grounds will be full. But if the protests go that far, that the loyal fans and the ones who've been there for years don't allow other people to get near the ground, they you know cause issues, cause problems. Because ultimately, that tournament wants to be played in front of full stadiums. It wants to the, the, the excitement, the entertainment, the atmosphere. If it's not as Ryan says, then surely it becomes a little bit boring. People switch off. You know, okay, Real Madrid, Barcelona may be a great game, but twelfth the eleventh in a Super League with nothing to play for. It's it's basically a glorified friendly. So they are running mm -hmm. the risk of, of taking that age away from the game. But listen, a lot of these owners and investors in our football clubs have no care for the history, the heritage of what goes before them. They are in there to make money. And when they've invested the money, they want a return on it. And they will go to any length to get it. Because, you know, football managers and owners and investors, players, come and go. Supporters stay forever. They're just there for a little while as custodians. They make their money and they jump and run somewhere else. But the, the damage they could leave after could be devastating. Do you think there's a failure, Ryan, here to read the room? Aye. Uh, 
Well, you look at you look at when when things go wrong at Celtic and Rangers. Look how they come out and protest for their club. It runs through their hearts. It runs. It's their daily. And I think that's the same down in England. The loyal fans down there are, are definitely against it. I mean, how how Tottenham is a, a, a top twelve team or whatever you want to call it. It's ridiculous. I think Celtic and Rangers are a much bigger club than Tottenham. Yeah. Much better history. Much more fans across the world. Come on. <laughs> But I mean, if Liverpool were playing, still playing in the Premier League in England and in this European Super League, you, you don't think Liverpool supporters would, would go to watch that? I think they would in the Premier League, but I wouldn't think they would in the Super League. It's all, as I say, they've already come out and, and protested it, Davey. Because um, everybody knows it's just sheer greed. But it's not just that. It's this, The money that all clubs get around the world, all goes, as everybody knows, runs right down to your women's football, to your grassroots, to your... To youth levels, whatever. You take that away, then it's, it, it, you know what it is. It's it's taking a lot of dreams away from people who's grown up with football and want to be football players in the future. Because you can't, you go, you play for Celtic or Rangers or whoever, but then you can't play against the, the top, mm. the top teams because they're playing in the Super League. Can't play them. Could the, the Premier League would become irrelevant, wouldn't it? Really, you know, the Premier League would be non-competitive as well because. You know, you could win the Premier League and, you know, you're not getting to play with the big guys. You know, these guys are going to come in. They might play second-string teams in the Premier League. If they're going to go, they may as well all go together and actually leave the Premier League alone because, you know, they're taken away. I think they can... You know, particularly in the Premier League in England, I think it's got too competitive for them. Leicester City winning the Premier League mm-hmm. when they shouldn't. The West Ham pushing towards the top four when the likes of Liverpool are outside the top four and they're thinking, you know, this is not right. Manchester United not in the Champions League. Manchester United got knocked out of the Champions League at the group stages. That's not what... Tottenham. Tottenham as well. That's yeah. not what they want. They want them in the big competitions. But ultimately, you have to coach right, you have to invest right, you've got to make sure your squad's built right to do that. There's no divine right to be there. But they want guarantee of money. They don't want the competitive edge. They want the money. That's the owners and investors. They want the guaranteed money and they want more of it. And that's what it's boiling down to. But the, the, the Premier League can't afford to lose those six clubs. You know, there's, there's talk about the Premier League throwing them out. They're not going to throw them out. If they threw the six clubs out, the first thing that would happen is the broadcasters would want to renegotiate the TV mm. rights contract. It'd be like throwing Celtic and Rangers out yeah, of the Scottish ab- Premiership. Absolutely. So the Premier League can't afford to lose the six clubs who are talking about breaking away. Could is is there a possible knock-on effect here for Celtic and Rangers if those six were so. kicked out? I hope so. Could, you, could that, that story we've been talking about for decades yeah, now? Yeah, um, mm. well listen it, it, who knows how that would certainly have a seismic effect in the game all over the world but you know obviously particularly in, in Europe um, it, might up, it might open up opportunities for, for the old firm up here. Talking about Rangers, Ryan, um, that's your opposition for uh, St Johnston, uh, not just uh, tomorrow night, but at the weekend uh, as well. What are you thinking? You've got the League Cup tucked away already? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Rangers twice. Couldn't, uh, couldn't have asked for a better draw. <laughs> <laughs> are you hopeful? Do you, think, do you think you could could you end that uh, unbeaten run in the Premiership tomorrow night? <sighs> no, I don't think so, to be honest. But... It depends. I mean, if, if Rangers are um, if they play a weakened squad tomorrow, then I would say maybe, um, and then play their better squad for Sunday because I think they're, they're definitely want a bit of. Well, they're, they've got the league tucked away, so um, I think they would rather play their better squad for the for the cup game. But yeah, Rangers, I can't fault Rangers this season. They've been strong in every competition they've played in, um, and they've got 
strength and depth all over their squad. So, uh, you never know. It's it's a one game thing. It's just your luck on the day, isn't it? God, you start you're starting to sound like Callum Davidson now. <laughs> one game, one, <laughs> one game at a time. Uh, if you, if I gave you one win this week, would it, presumably it would be the weekend, wouldn't it? Yes. Get, get, yeah. What about a cup, a cup double for St Johnston? How does that sound? I know. Be, it's funny. Eh? I've been saying that to my pals. Imagine if St Johnston be the cup double. Would we would we be classed as a big club now? Oh, I think so. I think you'd be getting a call from the European <laughs> Super League at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Any chance, Crags, of, of Rangers? Losing it, switching off. Any chance of Rangers not doing the double and staying unbeaten no. in the league? If there's any chance of Rangers losing the game, it would possibly be tomorrow night. But I think on Sunday, the players will know they're switched on. They've got over the hurdle of Celtic. You know, they know what it would mean to go and win a double. You know, Stephen Gerrard said after they clinched the title, he said it's just a start. And it's now up to the players to carry that forward. So, uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a tough week for St. Johnson. Sorry, Ryan. Ryan, here's what, here's what Gary oh, McAllister said <laughs> earlier on, looking looking ahead to these two games. Have a listen. Well, after an old, old firm weekend and a, and a big positive result, you know, we went, we bounced into this week, obviously off the back of a, a, a great result and a good performance, I felt, as well. But again, we, when you look at the week, you think it's just another big week. And it's, it's the way we like it. Uh, I think over the two games, we'll probably freshen up on... On the, in the league game on Wednesday, but uh, over the over the two games we'll we'll be strong because we want to continue our, our form in the league and we want to progress in the cup. It's a great situation for St Johnston though to be in, isn't it, going into this game because you've got that league cup, um, incredible to, to have won two trophies inside seven years, and you you finished top six, you finished in the top six uh, as well. Um, so even just to achieve those two things, Ryan, uh, adds yeah. up to a pretty special season. Yeah, and don't forget that we finished in top three in the 2011-12 season and we've done six European tours since that time as well. So okay. not bad for a little club. <laughs> I knew you were going to top me up on detail there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so t- so tomorrow, n- tomorrow night, um, a score prediction from you? I'll go, I'll go a 1-1 draw tomorrow. 1-1 draw. Settling for a draw, yeah. eh? Yeah. And, then, and then keeping it all for the cup tie at the weekend? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear from you. Okay, cheers boys. See All the best. Cheers, cheers, Ryan. Cheers, the Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Let's mark your card on the football uh, going on tonight and tomorrow night. A couple of games in the Championship uh, tonight. One in Inverness, Cali Thistle against Dundee. Uh, Neil McCann in temporary charge. What a great job he's done. And uh, he can get them into the playoff places uh, tonight if he can beat another team uh, pitching for a, a move up back to the Premiership. That's Dundee. Uh, Morton play Hearts. Morton, if they can beat the already crowned champions although I don't know if they're going to accept the trophy and their medals that's another story Uh, but if Morton beat Hearts tonight they would get out of second bottom in the championship it's a full quota in League 1 and two very competitive in League 1 Airdrie against East 5 Dumbarton against Partick Thistle after a couple of uh, great results Crags for one of your old teams Uh, they're very much back in the frame aren't they? Absolutely. Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago they lost a few games and there was a bit of discontent, but you know they really have bounced back. And it's uh, you know we need clubs like Partick Thistle and and uh, Falkirk, full time clubs. We need them challenging not just in the top half of the championship. We need them pushing towards the Premiership. You know they've got crowds, they've got the infrastructure, they've got the facilities. So the more clubs we can get up that end of the table, makes that a better league, and then makes the competition even better to get into the Premiership. So good luck to them tonight. No doubt about it. It's also four for against Clyde in uh, League One tonight, down in the lower reaches of that division. Montrose against Cove Rangers, joint top. 
Peterhead, who could be a bit bothered themselves, um, against Falkirk, who are joint top. So very competitive in uh, League One. Not so in League Two, where Queen's Park uh, have long been running away with it. And uh, I think the title will be confirmed uh, tonight if they maintain their unbeaten tag at home to Elgin City. Other games in League Two, Albion Rovers against Trenraar, Annan against Dennis Muir, Brechin play Cowdenbeath and Stirling Albion against Edinburgh City. And tomorrow night, of course, Premiership football, uh, full programme, top six, bottom six, Hibs against Livingston. Hibs looking to hang on to third, four clear of Aberdeen as we stand. St Johnston against Rangers. We've just been talking to Ryan about it. Um, Aberdeen against Celtic. The Dons may be feeling as if they've got uh, a slight chance now of catching Hibs on uh, the back of uh, their last league win in Perth when they moved that little bit closer. Still plenty of work to be done. And of course, those two teams will go head to head. Uh, in the bottom six, um, a Lanarkshire derby. How do you fancy that uh, tomorrow night? Hamilton against Motherwell, your old team, another year old team's crags, Motherwell safe. Uh, Hamilton with a bit to do, Kilmarnock against Dundee United uh, and Ross County against uh, St Mirren. I mean, we all lick our lips at at the prospect of uh, clubs battling for survival, but for them, they're they're playing for their livelihoods, aren't they? They absolutely are. It's a horrible situation to be involved in the bottom two or three with four games to go, but this is where as a manager you learn about your players. You know who your characters are, who wants to step up who wants to go and carry the fight. So, uh, you know, Bran Rice and, and John Hughes and Tommy Wright will just be hoping that they've got something, some sort of ingredient within their team that can allow them to pull away from the bottom. I think t- Tommy Wright looks as if he's knocked it off with Kyle Lafford. He's got himself a few goals, so he could be the difference there. But the other two teams, you know, I've watched the majority of them this season. There's very little between all three of them. It's just who can strike some sort of run together. I mentioned that battle for third place. Uh, between uh, Hibs and Aberdeen. Of course, it's uh, probably more lucrative than it's been for a while in terms of the the European possibilities that could uh, be a knock-on effect. Let's talk to John, who is an Aberdeen fan. Hi, John. Hey guys. How you doing? Thanks Hi, John. Again. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, what do you think of the chances of Aberdeen catching Hibs? It, it looked like Mission Impossible when it was seven points. Uh, maybe a little bit more attainable now? It's, it's still a hard ask because we've, we've got both Celtic and Rangers to play. Obviously, we're playing Celtic tomorrow, and Hibs have already got Rangers out of the way. Um, and then, obviously, two teams have got to play each other. So, um, four points is still difficult with four games to go, but it's, it's not as impossible as it looked. Um, but I think we may win this game tomorrow in some ways because Hibs are at home to Livingston. And if we want to keep the pressure on them, um, I'm not saying it's guaranteed that Hibs will win, but. If Hibs do slip up, we need to take advantage as well and make it interesting because otherwise, if we lose tomorrow and Hibs win, it's seven points again, back to Mission Impossible three games to go. Do you not not think the real difference here is that when Hibs were offered money for Ryan Portis and Kevin Nisbet, they turned it down while Aberdeen were selling Sam Cosgrove and and Scott Wright? Do you not think that made a huge difference? Um, We'll never know, David, because unfortunately Sam Cosgrove wasn't really delivering this season um, we were actually did well to get two million to be perfect because he wasn't then um, perfor- performing uh, Rory Hamilton actually summed up Aberdeen's problems up front this season they've had seven different strikers in the number nine position and they've all scored 12 goals between them that's been Aberdeen's Achilles heel uh, all season obviously losing Hat Ryan Hedges injury at the same time yeah. right going to, to Rangers um, that's his that's lost his creative spark there were little signs at the weekend but to be honest, this isn't where you judge Stephen Glass. He's just looking to get to the end of the season, see what mm. he's got, work with 
and then we'll see a big difference in the summer, hopefully. It was a great start, Crags, wasn't it, for, for Stephen Glass, just to get through that one. It wasn't pretty at times for Aberdeen, but they came back twice, scored a couple mm-hmm. of really good goals, and then had the nerve and, I guess, the quality to, to win the shootout. Yeah, I think that's what pleased Stephen Glass the most, was the character of his team. You know, going behind against Livingston and, and having to chase down a compact, tight defence is usually a difficult job. Then they get themselves back level, then go behind again. And then within, what, two minutes, get themselves back level. Uh, I thought Niall McGinn was good. You know, I thought he was, you know, crucial in both goals. There's no doubt Niall has been a terrific servant for Aberdeen, but I still think he needs a little bit more consistency. You know, his argument will be he hasn't played as many games. I thought Florian Camberry, when he came on, was electric at times. Yep. You know, he, he was allowed to roam across the front line. He was coming in from the right, he's coming in from the left. It was just like a free roll for him. I thought he brought Aberdeen to life. Uh, and the longer the game went, you thought it was only going to be one winner. Uh, you know, Stephen Glass will be delighted to get that over and done with, get his, his tenure off to a win. But tough one against Celtic, and then a huge game at the weekend against Dundee United, you know, up at Pataudry in the Scottish yeah. Cup. So, you know, listen, that's why he's came to Aberdeen, to be involved in the latter stages of cup competitions and get the likes of Celtic coming to Pataudry. And of course, he'd Alan Russell, the, the England strikers coach, alongside him on the touchline at the weekend. Uh, Scott Brown will be joining um, for next season. Um, and interesting uh, quotes today from uh, from John Kennedy. Uh, we were speaking earlier on, John, in the in the show about Scott Brown. Will he feature uh, in the last league games? Is there any point in him featuring when he's not going to be involved next season? Well, here's what John Kennedy uh, said today. I know Scott inside out. I know how he operates. He's the ultimate professional, and regardless of who he's representing, he's fully committed to the cause. Uh, so I have no issues in terms of Scott approaching this game. David, does that sound like he's going to play? I don't think he will play. Um, and I wouldn't see any reason to keep Sorrow on the bench again, you know, having left him out for the old firm game. And, you know, what's, what's the point in making Scott Brown play three games a week at this stage of the season when it's gone? Uh, Stephen Glass, not surprisingly, says he'd prefer if Brown didn't feature. <laughs> he says, I've no doubt that uh, that if Scott plays, he will be doing everything he can with no concern that he's coming to Aberdeen next year. And that is the reason uh, we want him at our club. Uh, I would prefer he doesn't p- play purely for the fact I don't want the best Celtic player to play, not because he's coming here next year. I won't speak to him until after the game out of respect uh, for him and John Kennedy as well. What do you think, uh, John? Would you, do you think... Do you think Scott Brown will feature tomorrow? It'd be good if he played and scored an on goal to win us the game and then he gets back and carried off to a cracker. But um, I, I don't know if he will play because at his age, I don't see him playing three games a week. Um, even when he comes to Aberdeen, I think he'll be rested for certain games. I think he'll, you'll maybe see him like not play against, no disrespect to any of these teams I mentioned, he might not play against the likes of Kilmarnock if they stay off some um, etc. But he'll maybe come in for like, Rangers and Celtic. Um, but in terms of between the end of the season, I don't think he'll play too much because Celtic need to start building without Scott Brown and at his age he probably needs a, a little rest after um, playing the Ophram game as well. But I'd like to make Scott not go tomorrow, but I don't see that. But if he did play, I think he would give 100%. Because remember his last game for Hibs was against Celtic and he scored knowing that he was already going to Celtic. So, no, no, that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Glass will not be too distraught, Davey, that, that James Forrest is not going to feature for Celtic yeah. tomorrow night. Yeah. Because that, that you just feel at the moment that makes a big difference. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, again, I don't think Scott Brown will, will play. Um, and you wonder, I, I don't imagine, you know, John Kennedy walking into that dressing room at Pataudry tomorrow night trying to, to lift those players having lost to Rangers. Season is over. I just don't imagine how he's going to get 100% out of them because the Celtic season is over. The switch goes off 
Um, and I think it's a terrific chance for Aberdeen to, to win the game. Well, here's John Kennedy speaking about that player mentality. It's not difficult because we, we still have to approach the game's the right mentality. They, they obviously don't have the edge of, you know, you're going for something in terms of a trophy. But again, I've said it before, uh, you, you have to go out and represent yourself in the right manner. Any game you play, uh, you've got pride to play for, you've got, you know, showing yourself every time you, you, you play. Uh, and that's the mentality we want at the club. You know, and if you if you don't do that, then you're not a right fit uh, for us going forward. A lot of Celtic fans, Craggs, would reckon mm. that the, the Celtic season has been fizzling out for quite a while. Yeah, I, I agree with David. I don't think anything John Kennedy says will spur those players on. I think it boils down to them as individuals. What they want to do of the game, you know, is it to get a move? Is it to stay at the club? Um, you know, you want them to go and try and perform to their best, but I'd imagine it'll be quite a sombre and quiet dressing room because the players know they've underachieved, they know the disappointment of Sunday. Everything last week would have been built up towards Rangers, beating Rangers, Scottish Cup, let's push on, let's lay a marker and let's show them, you know, that on the on our day we can be the best team in Scotland. And then to fall off the edge of the cliff like the way they did and lose the game. I think it, you know, it will have been a, a tough few days for John, you know, emotionally, because he knows he's not getting the job, but then to try and pick players up who maybe don't want to be picked up. So, uh, you know, Davy Spot, I, I think it's a really good opportunity for Aberdeen. If they're at it tomorrow to start the game well, they could take a you know a huge leap towards putting even more pressure on Hibs. Do you expect Davy Aberdeen to be reinvigorated by the the arrival of Glass and Russell and in the summer Brown? I, I hope so. It's a really bold move by Dave Cormack. He's stuck his chin out here, um, and if they don't finish in the top four, um, he's going to take some stick because. Derek McInnes set the bar pretty high, finishing top four seven seasons in a row, in Europe seven seasons in a row. And yeah, you could argue that one League Cup was a poor return over seven years, but interesting to see what Stephen Glass can do against that benchmark. I mean, there are two big things, John, it seems that, that Scott Brown will bring. One is the that winning mentality. I mean, he's become a weightlifter, hasn't he? He's, he's lifted up so many trophies in Scottish football. Uh, but he's also going to be a magnet for Aberdeen, isn't he? He's going, to, he's going to entice players to come who might not have come had he not been there already. Yeah, we definitely think so. But also, he's going to be um, someone real important for Ross McCrory and the uh, Dean Campbell, etc., to learn off of because you know what better person to learn off than you didn't mention Lewis. Won- you didn't mention Lewis Ferguson there. <laughs> I haven't yet. No, I mean I don't know what's going to happen with Lewis if he's going to be there at the end of the season. Obviously, I'd like him to still be there, but um, but certainly for um, because McClory plays in Brown's position, um, Campbell almost plays in a similar role. Um, well, he plays almost like Cal McGregor's role, but still go- not comparing the two because there's a big difference. But um, Lewis Ferguson probably. Is more uh, a more advanced player, but I certainly think Brown will help those guys on and um, everyone else around them. And yeah, I know um, he's divided opinion with some Aberdeen fans because of what went on with Sir Logan before. But in terms of his influence um, as to the experience he's got, I think from that point of view, he's a good signing for Aberdeen. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, what happens in that, that central midfield area. Scott Brown, obviously, is the first name on the sheet, Davey. Um, Ross McCrory can play different positions, yeah. so th- that, th- that, may, that Lewis, may be the key I to think it. Lewis, I think Lewis Ferguson will go in the summer. Yeah. There you go. Because he has to be sold. Be- I, yeah, you I, think? I, I think so, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. we are going to be dealing this summer, aren't we, with and harsh and necessities and for and clubs. And there's no shame in, in selling players um, at the end of the season you know, if the numbers don't add up. And, you know, although Hibs kept um, Portis uh, and Nesbitt, at least one of them will go in the summer uh, again. Yeah. 
you know, clubs are hanging on by their yeah. fingernails what, right now. What Hibbs did was just put it off. Yeah. And, and actually, maybe bravely and cleverly putting it off to give themselves the best chance of finishing and third. It, it looks as if he's going to get his reward for that run goal. I just wonder where Lewis Ferguson's going. You know, he's not going to Rangers, but he have to go south. John, I just wonder asking you, you know, we've watched the, more of Aberdeen. Has Lewis Ferguson stalled a little bit in the last six or seven months? I don't think there's any there. I mean, he's he's not scored since October. And even then, most of his goals were penalty kicks. Um, and but he's still Aberdeen's top goal scorer, which is even more alarming. Which is also why Rory Hamilton um, highlighted the point with the strikers' position. Um, it's it's going to be a busy summer for Aberdeen, and um, if we're talking about a lot of players coming in, because um, there's going to be players going out that are out of contract as well. I mean, I don't. He's were talking about McGinn before. Has he done enough to earn the new deal? I'm not so sure. And he's getting on a bit as well. So, um, yeah, Ferguson going will probably free up a bit of cash to bring um, other players in to hopefully push us on for next season. So what are you thinking then tomorrow night, John? Mm, I'm not overly comfortable winning. I'm going to be optimistic and see a draw because um, it will still be difficult. But will that be enough? We'll find out what the Hibs result is because their home form is not great. So I'll cling on to that. Good to hear. <laughs> Good to hear from you. All the best. Uh, thanks, guys. Take care. Cheers, John. Cheers, John. Twenty minutes to go. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. It's good to have you with us on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited for a Tuesday. Uh, with Rob McLean, David Proven and Stephen Cragen. We're back, of course, uh, tomorrow night uh, between five and seven as ever. And your call's always uh, most welcome, 0808 17 17 700. Uh, lots of football going on tonight. Um, in fact, the Inverness Dundee match kicks off in about 15 minutes in the Highland capital. Uh, Morton against Hearts in the Championship as well. Full quotas in League One and League Two. And of course, in League One, it is uh, very, very competitive. Tomorrow night, Premiership football. Uh, we've just been speaking with uh, John, an Aberdeen fan, of course, about that game at Pataudry against Celtic uh, tomorrow night. Hibs against Livingston. And St. Johnston play Rangers. And down at the bottom, the games are Hamilton, Motherwell, Kilmonic against Dundee United. And Ross County play St. Mirren. So uh, Rangers uh, looking to do the double on St. Johnston in the next uh, few days. And uh, if they did, well, it would keep alive their hopes of going through the Premiership season undefeated. And it was also take them a step closer to the uh, League and Cup double. Gary McAllister, assistant manager, has been talking uh, today. And he's been talking about a potential dilemma for Rangers when the skipper uh, comes back. And of course, he was on the bench on uh, Sunday. It's that uh, James Tavernier and Nathan Patterson moment. Well, what a wonderful position for A, the manager and everybody here at the club, you know, to have two outstanding players that play in the same position. Could that evolve? And could that be a little bit of change there? Time will tell. But the beauty is we've got an outstanding youngster and we've got a player whose numbers probably are amongst the best in the world from that area of the pitch. So as a club, we are uber delighted to have two outstanding players in that area of the pitch. You know, there's, there's different formations that you never know that might be able to get the two of them on the pitch at the same time. That's quite an interesting little thought that he left us with there, Gary McAllister, Davey. Yeah, I, I, you know, even if Rangers play with a back three, um, I, I, I don't see how the two of them play. No. I'm trying to do the calculation in my mind, but I, I just don't see where the two of them yeah. fit in, either in a back four or a back three. Because I don't imagine one of them would play one up as a wide player. Because Rangers' wide players want to play narrow. Yeah. And it wouldn't be natural for them. You know, their natural game is to come on to it. Yeah. And suddenly if you play as one of those 
ones further up the pitch, you're going to play with your back to goal. And I don't imagine either of them are overly comfortable, or that's certainly not one of their best attributes, is playing with your back to goal. They're better coming onto the game. I'm trying to think of 3-4-3. Three, three. But then one of them would still have to play wide in the right at some stage. Yeah. So, you know, whether Nathan Patterson can play left back or not, I don't know. But certainly, uh, you know, they've given, you know, Stephen Gerrard and, and Gary McAllister food for thought. Because, you know, I'd said it earlier, Jim Stavonier hasn't really had any competition for that right back spot since he came to the club. There's been no one there really who you think, well, no. you know, if he doesn't play, who's going to come in? And Nathan Patterson's come on great. And that's the question of some people said, you know, should he go on loan? But I can imagine if he stays at Rangers, you know, being able to rest James Tavernier a little bit more than what's happened over the past three or four seasons to keep him fresh. He's 29. You know, the distance he covers in games, at times he's Rangers centre forward, he's the furthest player forward. Yeah. So you can't continue to do that over a 55, 60 game season. So for him to play 35 games and be managed by Stephen Gerrard and Nathan Patterson to play 15, 20 games, I think it's ideal balance. Would, like it, would, it, would it not make sense for Rangers if they got an outstanding offer for Tavernier to sell Tavernier in the summer? They've just got him on a new contract. They'll get top dollar for him. Mm. Would it not make sense to sell Tavernier instead of a, a Ryan Kent when they have cover for Tavernier? Is Nathan Patterson ready well, to play the full season? Is, is he ready to play 50-55 games? That, that would be the concern. I think if he was 21 and he had 75 to 100 games under his belt, they might think, right, OK. You know, but I think he's still got a lot of development to do. You know, he's done great, no doubt about it. And I think what's helped him is having no crowds in the stadium. I think he's been able to get yeah. through the games with that pressure. And Jimmy Nichols making that point today, wasn't he? Was saying he? that he's never played in a big game in no. terms of crowds. Exactly. Going to speak to Jim um, in a sec, but uh, big day for Nathan Patterson, of course, today, isn't it? Because he's waiting yeah. to find out what the outcome is in terms of Rangers' appeal on behalf of the, the famous Rangers 5, who broke the COVID uh, regulations. And uh, the punishment at the time was a four-match ban uh, for all five, uh, plus two games suspended. Rangers appealed it. Um, I think that hearing has probably just got underway, so it may be a little while uh, before we hear it. But um, it's going to make the difference between Nathan Patterson finishing the season, playing, getting yeah. a lot of football, you'd imagine, yeah. for Rangers, and actually being put in cold storage. Well, I, I, absolutely. I mean, just wonder when that'll finish tonight. Um, no doubt Rangers have the, the finest legal minds out there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, could it, have, could, it be, could it have an implication as well for Stevie Clark and Scotland if Nathan Patterson is playing and continuing the level at which he's been playing, Crags? That puts more pressure on, on Stevie Clark to include him in the, in the Scotland yeah, well, squad. If he plays the next four games and in the Scottish Cup final at the end of it, yes. But if he doesn't play the next four games and yeah. is only available for the Scottish Cup final, you'd imagine that would rule him out. Although I think the squad traditionally in a major championships is 23. I was saying to David earlier, I, I think I read somewhere it's 26. So we may look to take a couple of fringe players like Nathan Patterson, David Turnbull, allow them to get what it's, you know, allow them to feel what it's like to go to a major tournament. But um, yeah, I think if the season finishes tonight, then Euro's no chance. Let's talk to Jim in Rutherglen. Hi, Jim. Stephen, yeah, good. Hey, Let's hope your phone line improves in the course of the next few seconds. <laughs> um, what would you like to say, Jim? It was actually just to ask the boys in terms of like, do you think there is a hundred chance of this uh, you going ahead? Right, I'll interpret for Jim. I think he's saying any chance of, of this Euro Europa, uh, European Super League happening, Davy. I think I think when we try and phone Jim back because that line was pretty awful. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount of opposition, not just from supporters, but I think more significantly, the the government itself is now saying they will do everything they can to stop it. And they've already threatened to revoke the work permits of the foreign players at those six clubs. Were they to do that, I think it, it, it knocks it on the head immediately. 
it's a massive football story, isn't yeah. it? When it when it Huge. gets to those sort of levels Huge. and th- those sort of repercussions to to come. And as David said more than once in the show, uh, these guys are the, the guys who are running the clubs who who are coming up with who've come up with the European Super League idea. They're smart guys. They've got bundles of cash behind them as well. They'll have thought about every eventuality here. You would imagine about everything that's going to be thrown at them. Well, if, if it's true, what Davy said about revoking the work permits, I'm not too sure they would have thought about that, because suddenly that you know throws a huge span in the works, because it means then you don't get the chance to get the best players, and the best players are not involved in the tournament. Um, you know, uh, James Milner spoke quite well last night. He was adamant, no, that's not good for the game. It's not what we want. Maybe he's coming towards the end of his career. He can say that, but for the young up and coming stars like Mbappe and Haaland, you know, these are the guys that they want involved. Mm. But if they're adamant they're not getting involved, even if they get sold on to clubs who are planning it, you know, or they refuse to go in it, if the big names are not playing in the competition or the big managers are not involved in the competition, like Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, but they say, no, nope, that's not for me, I'm going to walk away from a club, it'd be brave and it would be bold, but it would lay a marker down for them and it could rule it all out, whereas if they continue to stay in it, then it could. Uh, I could see it happening. Here's Jim, part two. Hi, Jim. <laughs> I certainly know all the things. I just oh, got that's... to tell end of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a be- beautiful phone line now. What, yeah, what, 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 what do you think, Jim? What, what, what do you think is going to happen here? To be honest, it was pretty much word for word. I totally agree with Gary Neville. I thought he spoke fantastically about it last night. The same yeah. as Jamie, Jamie Carragher. And I think most people, James Milner, I think even Jurgen Klopp got a wee bit caught on the hop with the last night as well. But I think in general, most people are against it. However, my concern is, is that You've talked earlier on the show about people flexing their muscles. This is this 1% that everybody talks about. They've got the influence and the money and the power to get their own way. They're not used to people saying no to them. So if they can get all this you know, their own way, it's, it looks really bad. It really does. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I saw a quote yesterday from Jurgen Klopp, which was very strongly and passionately against it. But when he was caught in front of the camera later on, yeah. he's caught in a really difficult position, Davey, isn't he? Well, both he and, and Guardiola have been badly, left, left bad, badly exposed by the people who run their clubs. I mean, nobody has fronted up. On the Liverpool website on Sunday night, there was a, a comment from Joel Glazer of Manchester United on the, on the Super League. Not one word mm. from, from Warner or, or the Fenway group. Not a word to the Liverpool supporters. A quote from the, the owner of Manchester United instead. And... You know, Klopp and Guardiola have been left badly exposed by this and not really knowing what to say either. You look how awkward they look in front of the camera right now. And that would seem to be significant as well, wouldn't it, uh, that uh, Florentino Perez, the the Real Madrid president, he has been the one, I guess, that's that's had a fair bit to say and his attempts at at justifying it and saying that uh, this is all being done in the good name of of football. And I imagine his nose grew a bit at that that (laughs) point. But, but, you know, what, what has been... Obvi- very obviously lacking, uh, as Davey said, Craig's is is club owners speaking to the fans and saying, "Hey, here's why we're doing this." Well, they've kept it in house, that's for sure. Because I'm not too sure. You know, I, you have to take Pep Guardiola and, and, and Jurgen Klopp at their at their word, but they said they only found out on Sunday when it came out, and Monday they found out a little bit more. And you have to take him at their word. So the group involved have kept it so tight and so compact that they haven't wanted it to leak out until. You know, they decided they were going to make the statement and push it on. So it's, uh, I mean, Perez said that young people, you know, don't enjoy football or aren't liking football, so we want to give them something different. Well, it's just more football, really. You know, he's speaking for the world. His club are in a huge, you know, uh, debt 
So they need money from somewhere. So they, he'll say what he has to say. He wants some money out of it. But, you know, yeah, it must be difficult for the manager. They're trying to hold on to the job, mm. Klopp and, and Guardiola, and not knowing what's going on above. So it'll be interesting over the next few weeks and months. Jim, it's all getting messy already. Not the Lionel version, but it's, it, it's, it's got the potential to get a whole lot worse as well. It's going to be a, it could be a bloody battle, this, couldn't it? I think it is, Rob. I think you said earlier on, it's usually the lawyers are going to be, you know, <laughs> chinking their glasses at this one. But uh, I've seen, just to say to Stephen there, just on Perez, I know it's part of his quote was that he says the games are too long because he says young people don't have the attention span to watch an entire game. To me, what that smacks of is the Americanization, yeah. potentially, if you're not careful, because this could end up being, instead of nine, two halves of 45 minutes, you could have four quarters, 22 and a half for more money for adverts. This is this is where I'm worrying that the game's actually going to go because these what you were saying nine hundred million I think it was Real Madrid were in debt yeah nine hundred million I think Barcelona one point two billion so aye so they'll be chasing the yeah. money at all costs here and, and to hell with the, the working man you know as always it's the little guy that loses out and to say that young people aren't connected with football I think is a bit off off beam as well isn't it yeah a tad. yeah absolutely I mean how Perez could keep a straight face you know going through that and I just want to make myself clear here. I'm totally against this. I'm just playing devil's advocate. That Good there, man, there are a lot of clever people behind this idea and I wouldn't write it off. So what do you think then, Jim? Where, where, where's this going to go from here? Do you, see it, do you see it happening? Or do you think ultimately player power, manager power, supporter power will all combine together to, to thwart this crazy plan? I really hope so, Rob. I hope it's going to be like the end of a superhero movie where the good guy wins eventually. <laughs> but uh, I don't think there's going to be players and fans, uh, sorry, players and managers, obviously, they get propped up in front of the camera. And I appreciate they're in an awkward position. They can only say so much because they're under contract. But I'm hoping once all the restrictions come out, you can actually, fans will galvanise together and actually protest this. I know it's the government's getting involved as well because this is the last chance to really save football as we know it. I know that sounds dramatic, but I really think that is the case because these people are very powerful and they're not used to they're always just to get in their own way. And what about your team at Pataudry tomorrow night? What are you thinking? Oh, to be honest, Rob, I'd rather the season just ended just now. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's been absolutely... Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is the end of an era, but it's sad how it's just kind of petered out the way it has. And yep. hopefully Mr. Mac- Mr. Mackay can get some appointments done and we can move forward to constantly talking about whether it's Eddie Howe or not. Jim, thanks for joining us on the show. All the best to you. Good to hear from you and good to hear from you, uh, Craggs and Davey as well. Uh, the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited returns tomorrow live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy.